Podcast One. Rami Yikmore's 30 location restaurant empire and associated hospitality businesses are thriving during these COVID infected times. And he puts it all down to a heart centered business philosophy. It's a slightly woo woo episode 518 of the 11 year old award winning small business big marketing podcast. Marketing show where successful small business owners share their souls to take your marketing straight to the lead. Now, here's your host, Mr. Tim And welcome back to your weekly dose of heartfelt marketing. I'm your host, Timbo Reed. You, infinitely more importantly, are a motivated business owner and you are so ready, you are over ready to crank out some great marketing to build that beautiful business of yours into the empire it absolutely deserves to be. Big episode today. Hospitality guru Rami Yikmore shares his secret source, actually his secret sources, to how he's built a 30 location restaurant business and have it thrive during these COVID infected times, thanks to operating from the heart and to some very clever pivots. This week's motivated listener has created a business they love, thanks to some ideas picked up on recent episodes. And I let you in on next week's guest, who's successfully built a premium dog food brand from scratch. And guess what? She's a cubicle escapee. We love those. As per usual, team, there is marketing G O L D dripping from the ceiling over here at Small Business Big Marketing's HQ. So let's get stuck right in. Now, today's guest. If you're in the hospitality trade, then you've probably come across Rami Yikmore. If you're not in the hospitality trade, then you need to know about him. On paper, Rami's business achievements are pretty impressive with a combined annual turnover in excess of $200 million and 200,000 weekly customers. He and his wife, Shannon, started Rache's, an Aussie restaurant chain with over 30 locations. But that's not where it ends. He also runs Ruomkis, a food manufacturing facility, a no-prep meal kit business called Udi, and inspired by COVID-19, a modular customer protection business called Guest Guard that manufactures Perspex guards for cafes and restaurants. Seriously, this guy is on fire. There is no stopping him. And what I really love about Rami is his passion for life. He is ridiculously positive. He loves what he does. He cares deeply for his 1,200 staff and his 200,000 weekly customers, and he operates from the heart 100% of the time. So get ready to be moved into action, team. I started off by asking Rami why he does what he does. I love it, man. It's it's the only thing I understand, honestly. It's the thing that I love best. I love working with people. I love, and it's what I started doing and I'm not going to stop. I just, I just love what I do. I just, yeah, it's a love. I've watched a lot of your videos, your, I've looked at your social media and you're one of those blokes, you're one of those business owners that I feel without knowing you, you are doing what you have been put on this planet to do. I think I'm born to play this game. There's no question, mate. I look at great athletes and I think, yep, you're born to play that game and hopefully I'm not thinking too much of myself, but I do believe I am born to play this game. You're absolutely right. Your first restaurant, which is called Rache's, was inspired by the coffee shop in the hit TV show Friends, which does date you, but I'm with you, brother. Yeah. What did you love about Central Perk, which was the name of that coffee shop? I loved the lounge. I loved how they got together. You know, they were group mates. And we didn't have that sort of, you know, that didn't exist in Oz. You know, like there was no place he could sort of go out, especially in the western suburbs where I started. You wanted to be the guy who who facilitated that bringing together of other people. Yeah, 100%. And we used to do it in my own home. You know, like me, you know, my girlfriend at the time, Time, my mates, we sit around on a couch and thought, oh, let's open a cafe, let's do that. And we used to watch Friends while we were doing it. So I guess that was the sort of what brought us there. I don't want to drop names, but I was in the Ralph Lauren shop in uh, Rodeo Drive, Beverly Hills, talking to the guy about the stars ever come into the shop. And he goes, no, 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 they send their stylists in. And I literally looked to my left and Jennifer Aniston was standing there. And life was good at that point in time, Rami. Life was really good. There you go, mate. Dropping names. <laughs> love it. Love it, mate. Love it. <laughs> you, you opened the first restaurant in 1988 and it went so well that you were headhunted by Domino's to run three of their franchises. Now, you kept running the first Rache's um, 
and three domino Domino's franchises. What what did Domino's see in what you were doing that they had to have some of it? You know what? I had the Pizza Hut background, so I guess I was. It was well known that I come from the Pizza Hut industry. I just, I think it's a passion. It's a drive to want to serve customers. You're just, you know, if you're in tune with what your customers want, I think you're able to achieve. And they could see the business was growing real quickly, and they thought, hey, this guy's got the energy and maybe the people skills or all the rest of it to make a business happen. Now there's 30 rushes nationally. Plus, at least you've got two other businesses. You've got Udi, which is a meal kit delivery service. You've got Ruomki. Jeez, you go for some tough names, I've got to tell you. Wholesale. That's my name spelt backwards, I guess. Oh, I, did make it, I did make it. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I'm not that creative I, after all. I just am interested in growth. How do you grow like that? How do you go from having a little restaurant based on the Friends TV series to now having this empire? Was it intentional? Do you do one thing at a time? You know what? It's a drive. It's it's a drive within me, like just wanting to succeed and always wanting to grow. And you're right. It was never, when I started the one restaurant, it was never the intention to start to go into Domino's or to, to open restaurants up and down the East Coast. That was never the intention. But I guess what it was, it was, I got this I'm always positive. I'm always optimistic about what I think and what I want to do. Um, so I'm always driven and I believe you're either growing or you're dying. So if you know if I'm not growing day on day, then I'm very, very upset. I'm not I'm not satisfied. I just Yeah, so it's a fight within me that wants to always grow. And I'm always looking at opportunities. I'm always I'm vigilant of what business there is, what business opportunities there is on not a daily basis, but on a second to second basis. You know, I'm just, I'm just in there. I'm just, I, I just feel like I'm born to do it. You know, I played a lot of sports and I see the great athletes who I played with, whether it's cricket or footy or whatever. And you see that great intuition. They got this, how they get it. They straight away, they grab the footy and they get it or they grab the bat and they get it. And I just feel like I'm born with that. I've, I've got that. So... When I do it too, it comes easy. That's the other thing. That's probably the part where I'm probably cheating the system. It's really no effort. It's just I'm just in I'm in the zone. I'm permanently in the business zone. Whether I'm talking to you right now, my head is still going on about business, or whether I'm serving a customer, or whether I'm dealing with a accounting firm, or whatever it is, my biz my my business is always going. Take us a bit deeper inside that mindset of Rami. Because so, what's it look like? Could you paint a picture of your day yesterday? You might be talking to a customer, you might be being interviewed, you might be striking a deal. But what's going on inside that head? I'm always looking at what the customer's needs are, or whether it's a customer, or whether it's a partner, or whether it's a business uh, or opportunity, or whatever it is. I'm mm-hmm. always working out what's a win-win for the two sides, for the two parties. I always I believe in business that the two of us, whatever it is, whether it's a customer and a restaurateur, or the staff member and the, and the restaurateur, or it's got to be a win-win situation. And I think that's what allows you to grow. People that way get drawn to you. People want to want to follow and you lead that way, and I think that's that's sort of the thing that makes makes you grow in business. As long as once you have the intention of everybody growing around you and everybody winning, including yourself, you have to win as well. I think that allows you to really grow and really be able to achieve. So you're not looking in every deal, or maybe you are. I don't want to put words into your mouth. It doesn't sound like you're you're looking to rape and pillage every opportunity that comes your way. Instead, you're going, well, there's a little bit in here for me. There's a little bit in there for someone else. Both of us are going to win. Let's do the deal and let's look for the next one. Is that kind of how you think? Absolutely. And you've got to, and Dane, do that straight away. Do it quickly. And I don't sleep on decisions. I make the decisions and yes, I do fall over sometimes, but I prefer to make a hundred decisions a day than one decision a day. So it's go, 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 go. And I find, and sure, I've made mistakes and you're going to make mistakes by making decisions on the run. But I believe in today's world, maybe not even today's world, maybe that's again, and having that intuition of business, maybe I'm, I've been blessed to be able to to make those quick decisions, you know, and that's and that's a secret for me. Quick decisions. Um, so I'm very agile, happy to pivot the business in whatever direction it needs to go. And I do that by really understanding what my client or my business partner or whatever needs are. It absolutely come across as one of those blokes who has the courage to honour your intuition. You 
say you don't think, I think even people who act that quickly around decisions have that that split second, is it a yes or is it a no? Right, it's a yes, let's do it. I noticed in one of your videos you talked about at one point you tried to get all corporate, you got the C-suite in, you had a chief executive officer, you had a chief marketing officer, you had this and that and and you were very respectful in the way you said it but the, the outtake of what I heard you say was it didn't work, it was actually for your business, it was bullshit and you went back to doing business the Rami way. But tell us about that moment in time where you did bring in the big guns. Yeah, so well, look, when you bring in the big guns, they want to make the best decision for you. They want to make the best decision for the organisation. There is no question about that. Being an entrepreneur is not necessarily a C person or, you know, as I said in my mm-hmm. videos. So being a- Don't be polite. There will be C people listening. <laughs> and by that we mean chief somethings. But, you know, just say how you feel, brother. They, they sort of separate themselves from the business. They don't understand what the client- No skin in the game. No skin in the game. They don't understand what their clients' needs are. And again, they went to day one. I think that's what's important. I think, and I see that in so many businesses, when people walk away, like this business for Shays is something that I've found it. So I understand the first tile that was laid. You just can't pass that on to any C, to any corporate person. It's so hard. And the corporate world, especially in the hospitality industry, this is where corporate. This is where I find a lot of restaurants and a lot of um, fast food chains, apart from the big ones, a lot of you know the the coffee shops, all the chains that open up, that end up falling over, because yeah. it's a it's a different game. It's a funny game. It's a game that changes every day. And unless you want to be on the floor and you want to be on the ground, knowing what's going on, you're gonna fall over. And I think those people who achieve those high levels of corporate and have been the corporate ladder, uh, corporate ladder. And I don't blame them, but they're too far separated. They've already, they, it's very hard for them to get involved and see what, what goes on on the, on the ground. They lose sight again. They lose sight of that $2 coffee. They really, really do. And they want to focus on meetings and they want to focus on the bigger picture. And that's great. And you need that. But, and I think to any, I'll give any advice to any person who's looking to grow, who's at my level, introduce those people, but don't let them go their way. You have to control what they do. You have to be in their present with them when they make those decisions. Because if you're the person who started the brand and you're the person on the floor, no one is going to be able to make that crucial decision like you can. Growth can be incredibly amazing for business owners. Some business I spoke to, most business owners that I've spoken to, growth can also be incredibly debilitating. For you, clearly it was exhilarating but can you reflect on a moment where you've gone, oh, geez, I just, I've just wanted to create this community and serve people great coffee and nice food. And now I've got five, now I've got 10, now I've got 15, now I've got 20, 30 restaurants. Um, was there a moment when growth got the better of you? Absolutely. Absolutely. A hundred percent. And I guess that's that was that weak moment when I start introducing the corporates, when I started introducing the C word, uh, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You panicked. You panicked? I panicked, absolutely. I thought this is beyond me now. I'm not capable anymore. So I started losing self-belief. I started losing because things did get out of hand. Things did grow too quick. And you start, you know, doubting yourself and you start, you know. But really what it was, if I want to bring it, rail it back now, what it was, it was uh, bring it back, sorry, it wasn't that I, I was no good anymore. It wasn't that I didn't have the ability anymore. It was challenging for any human being out there, you know? And if I had accepted that, that the challenge was just getting big and I just had to grow as a person as well, that would have been, I think I would have gone through it a little bit easier. Yeah, no doubt. You are, you said up front, you're incredibly confident fellow. You back yourself all the time. Was there a moment where your ego or your success got the better of you and someone had to pull you aside and tell you to pull your head in? Ego? <laughs> ego. <laughs> what ego? <laughs> what, ego? <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> mate, every day, mate, every day. And you know what? And honestly, it's about my egos. Look, obviously, obviously I've got, yeah, obviously you have a big ego to want to grow. That's part of, I think that's part of people who end up growing and, you know, growing a big business. I think they have to have that macho ego. They've got to be sort of a driven people. They've got to be, you know, pretty tough sort of individuals. Um, yeah, but mate, I get I get pulled back every day, mate. And I'm I'm the first guy to honestly, I'm the first guy when my ego gets out of hand. I'm the first guy to challenge myself. I really believe that. I'm the first guy to go into a room and give myself a couple of uppercuts and say, "Hey, come back to earth." 
There's nothing mm-hmm. special about what you're doing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And work with the people, work with the community, work with your staff because without them, you are nothing. How do you maintain a personality that allows others to tell you to pull your head in because you are the boss, you have a big personality. I imagine there could be times or moments when you are just, I'm not going to approach Rami, he'll, he'll jump down my throat or, or am I wrong? Are you just completely open to criticism and feedback? I, I have to go around the office at the office and encourage criticism. I'm the one yeah. that goes out and goes, tell me off. It's okay. I want you to tell me because I want the best. I want to achieve things. I want to, We want to achieve things together that's never been achieved. So please have a go at me. Call me whatever you want. You could do it respectfully as well. And you know what? And the people who hang around and the people who get me are those people. They will tell me, Rami, pull your head in. This is wrong. This is... And you know what? And they're the people I have. I don't have yes people around me. I'll make sure of that. Once I have... I don't uh, want yes people. That's that's very, very important. And I see it and... They're, I, they're boring, aren't they? They're boring. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Mate, it's, it's not even about boring. It's honestly like I want people who are driven around me, people who are better than me, people who are going to help me and get the best out of me. That's what I need. I don't... I'm, I'm a creative human being. I'm a, I'm a driven person. But without smart people around me who can who can also steady the ship and help me systemize and help me predict some of the things and help me with my finance you know I would be no good and that's what I do I make sure that people around me have got the things that I haven't got the we, the they've got the strength that I don't have are you a control freak rami <laughs> Um, Matt, I, I, would, I would say I am. Honestly, I would say I am. I'm a control freak. But at the end of the day, I know because I'm so driven, because I'm so uh, – I want to achieve on a daily or a minute basis or a second basis, I'm aware that I'm a control freak. So I, I try and manage it as best I can. But, yes, to answer you, I'm 100% a control freak. How, how do you manage it? Because I, I speak to so many business founders, right, and I – my respect for them is like, well, you've created something very special. It is your baby. You were the person who had the idea initially. You brought it to market initially for a period of time. You're one of four, five, six employees. So it was still a little business. But at some point that baby grows up, you get sort of dragged in every direction from having to make major strategic decisions when a pandemic comes along to making sure that that coffee is continuing to be delivered in a way that you loved from day one. How do you walk that line from making sure the coffee's okay to making sure the business is pointed in the right direction? Is it stressful? Life is stressful. Life is stressful. It just depends where you want to put your stress. But it's about focusing on what you're good at and empowering people and trusting people to make the right decision. Uh, 100% it's a fine line. Like I focus, my strength is I focus on what I'm good at and that is my the customer interaction, what the customer is. Exp- mm-hmm. So I don't drown myself in things like IT. I don't drown myself in things like accounts. I continually focus on what I'm good at, what I can give back. To be honest with you, like that's probably, if it's a weakness of mine, it's that, self-esteem issue of me probably I do understand IT more than what I lead on but I leave it to the professionals I want them to lose sleep over it I don't want to lose sleep over it I don't want to lose sleep over accounts I let that to the experts and I focus on if you want to simplify it down to the coffee I bet you when you were watching Friends and thinking, geez, I'd like a cafe like Central Perk that you didn't realise that, well, there's a bit of IT and a bit of HR and a bit of cash flow and a bit of this and a bit of that and a few legals and it's like all that other stuff that goes in to taking you away from what actually you love, which is to bring people in and put a smile on their dial. 100%. And I think that's what happens when you grow your business. You could lose sight of that. And some people Mm -hmm. lose sight. And this is, and this is where I'm, I'm happy. Like, you know, I'm very lucky with my wife, with my CEO, who's been with me for 20 years. They understand what, like, they're happy to not let me drown in that. So I have a great support and I always allow great support around me. And you're right. When I'm watching friends, I didn't think about all those things that will pop up. And because I didn't allow myself to drown in them, I think that's been the fortunate thing because I'm sort of, I'm not full of myself. You know, I understand what my limitations are and I'm prepared to know my limitations. I'm prepared to say to somebody, I'm no good at this. 
I have no idea. I And as a matter of fact, you get more out of those people as, as a result. They feel like the weight is on their shoulders now. And that's probably one of the other strengths that I have. I'll make sure that if you are employed in my organisation, that you are taking the weight on your shoulders. You're taking the, you're taking the problem home, not me. Rache's, you now have, what, 30 restaurants up and down New South Wales and Queensland? Mm-hmm. Wrap some numbers around it for us, Rami. How many staff? Can you talk turnover, customers? What can you tell us? Yeah, man, um, I've got to be careful. I don't know. They're all good. Mate, honestly, we have 1,200 staff. We turn over $200 million a year. We serve 20,000 customers a week. I've got a database of 270,000 um, customers. I met, yeah, what, what do you want to know? You tell me. <laughs> uh, I just want to know that you'll be emailing all 270,000 customers a link to this this interview, mate. That's what I want to know. Um, <laughs> that's fantastic. Even the fact that you've got that database. Um, I want to know two things off the back of those numbers that you just revealed. How does it make you feel? And what are the three or four pillars of success that have resulted in those numbers. So how does it make you feel? Matt, very, very proud, honestly, and especially after the COVID times, like like you sort of have all them staff working for you and you, or working with, I shouldn't say for you because I, I work with people, people don't work for me and that's the God honest truth in in this in, in the premises here. And I don't like even, I don't want to jump off track, but even in the hierarchy thing, I'm not very big on the hierarchy Everyone is just as important. Whenever I get somebody into my business who's big on hierarchy, I kind of stop it straight away. It's very important to me. The first person I say hello to is my wash-up person. That is the first person I say hello to in the, in the store. So I'm not big on that. So that's what it is. But going back to, to your question about um, how does it make me feel, I never understood the importance of employing so many people and how people relied on that employment to put um, food on the table till we hit COVID-19. Because to be honest with you, previous to that in the hospitality industry, it's a high turnover business, like in, as in staff. And and people, it almost felt to me like, you know, people were working for you, but if they didn't work, they would have another job, you know? So it wasn't really, I didn't, but when COVID-19 came and all of a sudden those people needed their job, I felt the responsibility and I really felt humbled and proud and that those people were relying on that salary that they'd taken home to put food on the table. So it gave me a warm feeling. It gave me a feeling of, wow, what you're doing, Rami, is is important to a lot and a lot and a lot of people. I guess I asked that question too without putting my, the full context of what was in my mind to it, which is uh, your background has been quite troubled. You came from, your parents came from Lebanon. Your old man lost his business uh, during the wars in Lebanon. You came here, you went back there uh, and, you know, you've built this thing from the ground up. So there must be a huge amount of pride attached to it as well. Absolutely. It made the pride look, I guess that's why I learned. I learned how to do business with my dad when I was a seven-year-old. I guess it started helping my dad and, you know, and again, that's where I used to like dress up even like my dad. I wanted to copy my dad, you know. <laughs> that little Lebanese boy in the in the suit and tie that you see, you know, it, it's just the classic cliche, isn't it? It's a fantastic look. Like what I said, I was born to do and I remember like in the in the centres, the shopping centre, if you like to simplify it, where people had, I was this little young business entrepreneur from a young age where people, you know, had a bit of a, uh, you know, had a bit of a laugh with and sort of motivated. And I was like the kid that, you know, that ran around, yes. the little hustler. I was a little hustler. So the three or four pillars, Rami, that are the reasons for Rache's success, what would you put them down to? Number one, hard work. Nothing beats hard work and understanding. I'll give you a little bit more substance than that, mate. It's honestly being on the ground and knowing, looking at the customers, watching your customers, for example, and Rache's, being in tune with what your customers' needs are. Number two, being community-focused, being human-focused, giving the people what they need and understanding what the people's needs are. And I'm talking about partners and staff here. So that's, I guess that's something else. That's, that's very, very important. Just understanding that partners being suppliers? Yeah, partners being suppliers, being the franchisees, the contractors, whatever they are. 
You want to live in other people's shoes. That's so important. You want to live in anyone who's involved in your business. You want to be in their shoes. You want to understand what they're thinking, what they're feeling. That's definitely a, a pillar of mine, you know. I'm, I'm going to say a, a, a simple one and, and and honestly, it's honesty and integrity. It's basic. I know I know every other business has it, but it's on. But really, I mean, true honesty. When I hear that, Rami, because I want you to expand on that. When I hear that, because I've sat through so many branding workshops, workshops that would do your head in. Never been to one. No. <laughs> I knew that before I even said it. When I hear, it's like, what do we stand for, guys? What do we stand for? Honesty and integrity. I'm like, mate, that's a ticket to a game. You don't even open the doors if you're not honest or full of integrity. So why, dig a bit deeper as to why that's important to you beyond the obvious. Mate, starting with honesty and integrity, what that, what that helps achieve is you end up getting better prices because your suppliers want to do business with you they don't want to lose your business they see that integrity they see that honesty and you have that long-term relationship they give you prices that's unheard of which you could pass on to your customers they give you product that's unheard of which you pass on to your customers the meats that i get my meat suppliers and my vegetable suppliers and 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 even my contractors is in accountants or whatever the relationship that we have and because they know they're getting paid they know they don't have to worry about anything. They know they are in with a great partner. So that's what I mean about honesty and integrity. And that grows. And then other people hear of it in the industry. And then other people want to try and jump in. So you always so what happens is you open doors to the best of the best when you have that high integrity and high honesty appeal, I guess. I get it's it. It's the best of the best that want to work with you. And that's what helps you grow. You, I, I think also what I hear there is that you are building a brand that really, really does stand for something. I, I get a sense that if I asked a supplier, if I asked a staff member, if I asked a customer of Rache's, what's this brand all about without getting too marketing geeky on them, it'd be a fairly consistent answer. And as a result, you're sort of building this sort of emotional connection between these people that is very, very hard to break. And they want to do you favors. They want to be a part of that brand. Absolutely. It's, it's family. And you feel it from the second you walk in. It's the way I'm speaking, speaking to you right now. It's the way I speak to my suppliers. It's the way I speak to my staff. It has to be a family interaction. If it's not family, like one of the things that I say to my staff, like to my staff, to anyone who's getting employed, if you're looking for a job, you've come to the wrong place. If you're looking to join a family, then welcome in. Hmm. We'll open the door for you and we'll give you back to my culture. We'll give you the Lebanese hospitality. We'll make you coffee, sweets, <laughs> and we'll feed you. But remember, you're, you're jumping onto a family. You're not jumping into a workforce. You're not coming hmm. to work for me. You decide, you're deciding to come to join my family. That's important to me. And I think that's another pillar that's that's helped us grow 100%. You know, because I look around and I'm sorry, the office is behind me. You know, people around who have been here for 20 years and that's a huge, that's that's how you grow success. If you had a high turnover, yes. you got absolutely no chance. You got pretty low turnover for your industry? Mate, 100%. 100 mate, yeah, like we are- 100% turnover. Yeah, no, I wish, mate, uh, it's not 100%. <laughs> but I would say, and I haven't looked at the numbers, uh, well, COVID-19, I think we've had zero, but that's yes. another story. <laughs> but pre-COVID-19, like what I, especially the senior staff, I mean, you know, we obviously have 1,200, so I don't keep track. And it's, again, a number, I don't know what the real number of turnover is, but I could tell you we're very low. And, and the reason being is, again, the training. We want to make sure it's a training that we instill into people. We are ahead of our game in the field that we play. When it comes to casual dining, you know, the online training, the the, the support mechanism we have, the shoulder-to-shoulder training that we have, we are so focused on people because that's that's a game that we're in at the end of the day. And I guess that's that's why you have that low turnover with people. Another thing that I see, Rami, and you say you haven't been into a values or a branding workshop, and I believe that, yet you are very clear on your values because they're you. I mean, to me, it just sounds like the Yickmore family values are what have been kind of 
transcended into the actual Rache's business itself. Um, an example where you were sponsoring the Canterbury Bulldogs, a $2 million sponsorship, or at least that's what was reported, and you pulled out of that sponsorship the immediate, immediately when those Bulldogs uh, had some sex, sex uh, what do you say, they were litigated against for some sexual misconduct, is what I'm trying to say. They didn't have sex, they had some sexual misconduct. And um, that shows how strong your values are. So you kind of know what you stand for and you stick to it. You don't veer from it. You know what? And, and it's, that's, that, it was an easy decision. I'll tell you why it's an easy decision because all you do is you focus like a family member. How are your kids going to look at the decision? How is your wife going to look? How is mum and dad going to look? How are my uncles going to look at the decision? And simply that's how I live, live my life and I make my business decision. It's just through family. Like what's it look like? And, it's, and people go, oh, how did you come to that decision? Like, you know, they expect some sort of a boardroom table that sat around and, you know, did a bit of a survey. But it wasn't. It was simple. It was like, what would you do if you're family? It's like, you know, like it's honestly, it's, and I think that makes my life easy and it makes my communication with my staff easy because it's, it's just how you want to live your life, how you want to live as a family. And that's why when it comes down to the, to the $2 million, by the way, don't believe everything you've read, but anyway. <laughs> but yeah, um, mate, it, honestly, it was a simple, simple, de- it was just, a, it was easy. It was just a simple decision. I heard that, I got called, they said, blah, blah, blah. It was like, okay, I got a call and this is no, this is in no way something that my brand that I built for 23 years, it, it mm. doesn't say anything about my brand. I've got it completely running the opposite. I was actually afraid that I've already, it was already damaging enough what had happened. So yeah. I couldn't run fast enough in the opposite way. Rami, I don't know whether you'll know the answer to this question because you may have a chief marketing officer, but you might. it sounds like you got rid of most of the C's in the crowd. Uh, what role has marketing played in Rache's success? You know what? With, with marketing, again, honestly, people want to complicate the game and I'm very fortunate. Like, it's maybe it's a hospitality and that's all I could speak for, but it's, marketing is so simple, it is so simple. Like, you know, people want to complicate everything, you know. They want to. They don't want to simplify it. Maybe to justify their job, their position, I don't know. But when it comes to marketing, whether you're talking about strategic side or whether you're talking about, um, you know, ideas or all the rest of it, mate, it's quite simple. It's all available mm-hmm. online, whether you're looking strategic. You could jump on there and learn it in half an hour yourself. There's nothing difficult <laughs> about it. There's a good podcast about the topic. Is there? <laughs> I won't be watching it, yeah, man. This I'm one. telling you. Oh, okay, there you go. <laughs> Thanks, mate. <laughs> no, no. But in honesty, mate, whether it's strategic or whether it's um, you know, or whether what the you know, whether it's a um, a, tactical, a tactical, mate. It's on it. Just work like it's it's simple. What do you mean it's simple? Like, what are you referring to? What what's simple about it? Like, is it just intuitive? Like, it's just obvious. And again, I agree with that. I was talking to a guest earlier about customer service and it's like, you know, I'm going to go as far as saying the majority of customer service experiences leave you sort of wondering, really, did that just happen? Yet customer service is free. Um, It should be relatively easy and yet so many businesses get it wrong. So I, 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 I agree, like marketing should be simple and we do overcomplicate it, but is there, an, is there a particular area of marketing that you use to pull in a crowd? i tell you what we get it wrong. i tell you what we need to think of. When we think of marketing, it starts honestly with the people that you employ, how you speak to people from day one, what sort of people you have in your business. I think marketing, and this is what people are got to realise in the hospitality industry, the best marketing is not what you put on Facebook, it's not what you put on TV, it's not what you put on radio. The best marketing is how you're presenting your shop, how you're presenting, how your staff are interacting with the customers, how you... It's got to start there. It's got to, it's making sure that you employ the right people. You speak to and you encourage your staff or your, your people, your family to speak to the, to the clients from day one or to the guest, um, to speak to them in a way that they want to be treated as family. Mm. Treat people, marketing in the hospitality industry. Yes, we need all the, you know, all the EDMs and all the, you know, and all the rest of it and all that. That's impressive. EDM. Got any other acronyms you could kind of, uh, you know, put a smile on our face? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you want SEOs or what do you want? (laughs) 
not quite the right. You, you don't say, do you want SEOs? But I know what you mean. What do you say? <laughs> mate, I'll leave it to the, honestly, mate, I don't know how much that adds to my business and I'm sure it does, but there is yeah. nothing like welcoming the customer and saying, welcome, how are you? How is how yeah. is your day? You say that and you've got customers for life. No TV commercial, no great colouring, no great strategic brand marketing. Nothing will do that. Like So that's what I mean. So I focus on the – and I get my people to focus on the real marketing, not the marketing that people want to sell, you know, yeah. and that is where that's – hopefully that's – I think that's where a lot of our success comes from. Rami, it's early March 2020. You first hear of the pandemic. It's clearly something that's going to hit your industry hard. What was your immediate thought? Mate, um, I'll run you through it quickly. So I'm sitting down and I hear our Prime Minister jump on the uh, – I know it's 11 o'clock. Um, it's a 23rd or 21st of March and the Prime Minister jumps on TV and it's an 11 o'clock press conference. I could visualise it and he says restaurants may stay open but it's only takeaway and delivery. And I'm like, but I'm a 98, 99% dining business and I swear to you, everything went black in front of me. I thought that was the end. I thought that was it. We are done. You know, it's, a, it's been a great journey. It's over. That, for about three seconds and some fire within me got built within that three seconds and I was like, I can't let this happen. I cannot let this happen. And this is something that I haven't, it goes back to your marketing and this is something I didn't have it, now it didn't matter how good my service was and all that marketing that I do on the level, I knew I had to somehow get a get a message out to my st- to my customers to say we are still open for takeaway and delivery. And I didn't know how we were going to do it yet, but this is when I jumped on my socials or on the the company socials, which I knew existed, but I didn't know how they worked. And I said, <laughs> and and I've never spoken in front of a camera, and this is all new to me, by the way. You know, just speaking in front of the camera, I was embarrassed and all the rest of it. And I jumped on and I changed it to. Uh, Pick up. I said, guys, the business that you, that the, the Rochets that you've known to grovel, uh, to, to, that you've known, the dining business is still open for takeaway and delivery. So jump on now. There's a phone number, and people might gravitate gravitated towards that. And yeah, and mate, it was it was a fear, and that all came from the fear of losing everything. How do you? Clearly, you're a guy who creates a problem and then fixes it, doesn't wait to figure out what the fix is. Three seconds after hearing about COVID, you go, right, the Prime Minister has actually told us what kind of business we're in now. We're in we're in delivery and, and takeaway. And it's like, how do you pivot so quickly? 30 plus restaurants, 1,200 staff, you know, dining rooms that are now going to be empty for lo- you don't know how long. How, how do you move uh, such a large ship? You know, this is why I'm very fortunate because I go back to people like the people already entrusted in what I did. They, they It was easy to convert them. I converted 90% of the franchisees and the management and the staff. They believe in what we're doing. And again, I had that intuition straight away of that, what I needed to do. I knew what the customer's needs were. So I guess that's part of it. I'm like straight away, drrr, the computer went off in my head and it was like, well, people can't dine out. People are still going to want to eat. People are still want to experience something other than the the four big chains, you know, the fast food chains that, you know, whatever they are, four, five, six, whatever they are. I knew that would come. I knew that I just had that instinct of knowing, you know, people are still want to want to eat something that's casual dining, that's upmarket. Sure. I, I felt all that and I knew that um, I can rally my people because I knew the platform I had too. I have... To tell you, I guess I've got to go backwards a little bit. You know, I'm all about creating systems. I'm all about, when you say I'm a control freak as well, yes, I guess I'm a control freak. So I I, I, asked, I asked, by the way, I asked, you said you're a control freak. <laughs> Did you? <laughs> um, you know, I have a hub where everything gets delivered from, where everything gets produced. So I don't know if you know this, but we do our own bakery, our own butchery, our own fruit and veg um, preparation. So I've got full control of what goes on. So it was quite simple simple for me to pivot my business. So, so without selling myself that I'm, I, I did magic, I did have the right platform to help me pivot my business very quickly. And where other businesses in my space didn't have that. 
And I guess I had the I had the fortune as well of foreseeing what the customers' needs needs would be. Uh, your business Udi, which we only briefly touched on earlier, which is a meal kit delivery service, was that born out of COVID or was that already existing? Matt, it's something that was sort of tuning in my head. Um, but yes, so I so what I did was when it kicked when when the pandemic hit in, I knew that was a good opportunity. Sort of even so, it was sort of I had the the structure for it. That's what ignited it to sort of go faster and make it make it happen. So huh. yeah, it was it was already there. It was already in the planning, but. I knew with COVID, with the pandemic kicking in, I had to accelerate and I did. And I employed people. So while people were getting put off, I was able to get the best of the best on board because other people were getting put off and I was advertising and they were like, man, you're giving me a job, fantastic. So yes, it came as a result of the pandemic. Some of the other things you've done to stay successful, uh, well, actually that's that's an assumption. Do you feel like you've stayed successful during the pandemic, which we're not through yet. It's it's August 2020 and Victoria's still under the pump. New South Wales is kind of wavering on, you know, borders are still closed. Um, do, do, do you feel you've maintained your success? I haven't maintained my, my success. I've grown my success. But the position huh. of my business, because everyone else is falling over around us because they're very slow in making decisions and not agile enough and didn't pivot enough, they've opened us the floodgates for us. So mm. so we've been so mate, I've been very, very fortunate. And not and not to say I've been fortunate on other people's um, losses, but um, it is the market has opened up. We're in a position that we've never been in before. We have hit record, record, record sales. My business has never been in a better position than it is today. And I think people have. It's because we've we've moved our business to suit the current climate. It's like in any contact sport. The coach, the first thing the coach will say is like, at least stay on your feet. At least, if you can't get the ball or you don't know what to do. At least you're on your feet. You can make a decision, right, and run forward or backwards. So that's what you've done. What I, didn't stay, other- I didn't stay on my feet. I I started running. I I, I knew you it was an option. Yeah, no, I, yeah, I, but I, that's what I mean. I didn't just stay on my feet. As a matter of fact, I saw a chance to start running faster, and that's the things that I told my franchisees. I could foresee what was going to happen in the market. I can see that people were going to fall over. I can see the demand was going to be there. And I said, this is our chance, guys. Week one wasn't great. Week two wasn't great of the pandemic. But came come week four and week six of the pandemic, we couldn't keep up. So, yeah, so I you, saw that. I, you, I, saw that mar- I saw the market opportunity. You said 90% of your staff and franchisees came along for the ride. The 10% that didn't, have they come around or have they left? Oh, no, they've come around, Matt, a long way now, man. I can tell them, I can tell them I, I'm a very, very fortunate position. Um, you know, I can tell them what I want now. I've put them in a, in a pretty good position because <laughs> honestly, like, and they did. You know, I'll tell you of a great success story I had with it. Um, I'm allowed to say McDonald's. I'm allowed to say whatever I want, right? Do whatever you want, mate. Whatever I want. So, mate, in Harborside, in the Harborside, there's a Richet's and there's a McDonald's. And I, McDonald's closed down. McDonald's shut shop. Uh Richet's stayed open. And now the Richet's store is doing double the income that it was doing when, you know what I mean, before COVID-19. And people saw us because people were still around and they're going, hang on. The Golden Arches aren't there and this bloody Richet's brand is still existing. They're still opening. People saw us as fighters. People saw us as everything. And and honestly, people see that. Yet it's You want marketing? That was the greatest form of marketing I did. Stay open. Show people that we are fighters because people want to be with fighters. You, you know, people want to, are drawn to people who are passionate and, and, and want to fight. That's a great story. There's a whole keynote in that, Rami. Mate, tell me other things that you've done. I know another innovation for you has been uh, you've come up with some glass Petitioning. You've gone and invented some glass or perspex petitioning that you've now installed into all your franchises and are selling to other restaurants. Absolutely. So so all what I did, again, what would I want my family? If my family was dining out tomorrow, what would I want for them? I'm like, what about we put a bit of perspex and frame around them? What about we do that? And I'm... And that's that's it, it came it came actually I was thinking of my father in law and my mother in law you know when COVID when when the pandemic is finished they would still want to sit in some sort of and feel safe and that's how we all clicked the next second but that was within a week of the pandemic happening I was like man I'm doing this start drawing this how do we make them how do what do we do and again it, the thought comes from what 
not it's simple. What do my customers want? What would my family need? What would people around me that I know and love, what would they need? And then here we are, and I'm not scared to make decisions and I'm not scared to spend. That's, I guess, the big thing. I'm not scared. I started with nothing. And if you have a fear, and again, I love to use um, sporting analogy, you know, if you're scared of getting out in cricket, I'm a cricket tragic, you're going to get out. You know what I mean? It, it's yes. that simple, mate. If you go in there and you want to play your shots, you're going to play your shots. The second you think you're going to get out, you're out. We, I, I always challenge people who have had a modicum of success and have got a bit of dough behind them now. Would you have said what you just said prior to your success? 100%. 100%. I've always had that thing where just go, go, go. Do not be scared. Um, fear, spend? Spend. Absolutely. Spend everything. Spend everything. If you're in business and that's the way, it's like again. I mean, I'd hate to bring make this a sporting show right now, but it's like a it's like a footballer going. I'm gonna I'm gonna save twenty percent of my energy. What for? You're out yeah. there playing yeah. first grade now. Make it happen. What are you saving it for? If you if you want to play that game and you're playing it from your heart and you're really a true entrepreneur, you're a true businessman. What are you doing? Why do you need twenty percent backup? Obviously, you don't back yourself enough. You know those people that say, I've got to keep a, 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 a bit of money on the side? Well, obviously, you're not backing yourself. Obviously, you don't back yourself enough. Obviously, there's something in there that there's that doubt. And once you have doubt, when you want to play in the big time, I say that again. Once you want to play in the big time, you can't have doubt. You can't have a second. You can't have any element of doubt in you. And I guess I'm, yeah. whether I'm blessed or fortunate to have that because I see people around me that have it. I don't know where I get it from, but I don't allow doubt or that to get in the way. I'll just go. That's awesome, brother. What a great conversation. I can't believe you only found your voice and, you know, because you've got a great head for radio. Sorry, I mean, a great head for TV. You've only found that the last few months, mate. I mean, you've got a lot to give. Look at this, mate. I love when the <laughs> Combank come up, when the Combank come up and said they want to use me, Nad. I'm like, those guys are really in trouble, mate. They are really. Isn't there name other models out there? But I guess, you know. It is what it is, mate. Well, I've got to paint a picture of Rami, which is um, he's a, an attractive bald gentleman, big sort of gingery, greying beard. Looks like he just got off a Harley, and if he didn't smile, looks like he's about to kill you. So other than that, he's like, oh, I love it, mate. It's an awesome story, Rami, and well done, mate, on pulling your, yourself and the 1,200 staff through this terrible pandemic that we're going through. Um, Rache's is the restaurant up and down Queensland and New South Wales. I think... Where I would direct people the most, if you wanted to find out more about you, is your developing YouTube channel, Rami Yakmaya. Uh, Yak, what is it? Yakmaya. Uh, so it's Y K M O U R, um, and you're putting some good stuff out there, mate. It's um, even if you were to just to watch some of your stuff each morning to get a bit of a get a bit of a, an injection of inspiration, it would be a good thing. Good on you, brother. Thank you so much, mate. What a great bloke. Hope you agree. If you want to see Rami in full flight, you'll find a video of him speaking to his staff at the onset of COVID-19. I've embedded it over at smallbusinessbigmarketing.com forward slash 518. Worth the watch. Now, here's my top three attention grabbers from that chat with Rache's Rami Yikmore. Attention grabber number one. I love his idea about needing to be constantly in tune with his customers' needs. Now, if you're not doing this, then get onto it now. I will absolutely excuse you from listening to the rest of the podcast if you are so motivated to do that. Call 10 customers who have just dealt with you. Email your database with a survey. Just be sure to check in and see where they're at often. Attention grabber number two. I love how Rami read the play so quickly back in March when COVID hit, instantly becoming a food delivery business. Not easy for a business of his size, but as he said, it's all about being agile enough to make quick decisions. If you're in small business, and I know a lot of you are, make best use of that asset of agility because as you get bigger, it's going to get harder. Attention grabber number three. I love how people-focused Rami is, not just with his customers and staff, they're the obvious ones, but even with his suppliers, which, as he said, gets him better prices, better products, and better market intel. That's what grabbed my attention. I would love to know what grabbed yours. Head over to smallbusinessbigmarketing.com forward slash 518 and leave a comment. Come on down. 
It's Timbo's Monster Prize Draw. It's time to reward another motivated listener for listening to this podcast, but more importantly, for taking some serious marketing action and implementing an idea they've picked up. Today's winner is private tutor and chess player extraordinaire Edward Carter of edwardeducation.com.au. And Edward, or Ted as he likes to be called, uh, says, hey Tim, love your podcast. It's a guide through the oftentimes overwhelming maze of marketing and a source of motivation when progress is like swimming through quicksand. (laughs) It's a fair way to put it. He goes on to say, when I came across your podcast, I began by seeking episodes focused on my field of education. But he learned. I eventually began listening to other guests. And you are right, Timbo. I began to take loads of marketing advice from the most unexpected conversations. Such a great example. I was going to say at the top of this episode, yes, I'm speaking to someone in hospitality. But hey, if you're in engineering or accounting or chiropractic, whatever it is, you're still going to pick up ideas. Look outside your industry. It's a great place to look. Edward goes on to say, and by the way, the email from Edward is very long and I am just taking little moments from it. He says, I've learnt to make every touch point a positive one and to ensure that my lovely customers, I like how you talk about your customers, Edward, have the most enjoyable experience possible when doing the most mundane tasks, such as registering for one of my events. He says, James Bartle reminded me that my business may simply be a means to a greater end of making a positive change for those who are overlooked in society. James was great. He's the founder of um, Outland Denim. Uh, Marks Acosta, another guest, simple idea of sending M&Ms with each sale as a means to empowering admin staff who were ordering his printer cartridges prompted me being Edward, to place a special sticker on packets of Smarties that I send to his customers that conveys the message of making kids smile and smarter. He's also approached a local employment service to find individuals with disabilities to help carry out the load of all that needs to be achieved each week. That's a brilliant idea. That was from the lady from Flora and Fauna. Uh, basically, Edward now says, back to it. I have much marketing gold to produce today and only two hands to do it. That's Edward Carter, edwardeducation.com.au. Edward, for implementing, you have won a full range of Liars Spirits, valued at 500 bucks. They're non-alcoholic spirits. $75 torsion bar voucher, a Bonjoro license to do some video marketing. You get a voucher from Sendall. You get a voucher from Tradies. You get some Mr. Lee's noodles. You get promotion on this show and a backlink in the show notes just for emailing me. Anyone else, if you want to enter the Monster Prize draw, email me, tim at timreid.com.au. Tell me one idea you've picked up from listening to the show and what impact it has had on your business. If I read it out on air, you win. Be sure to join the Small Business Big Marketing Tribe over on Facebook. I'll say good day to you. Maybe answer a marketing question. You can answer someone else's marketing question. Lots of good stuff going on. They're very engaged community, I must say, with hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of listeners, which is awesome. You can grab a copy of my popular marketing text, The Boomerang Effect, over at smallbusinessbigmarketing.com. If you're loving what we're doing over here at the Small Business Big Marketing headquarters, then you'll find 517 more episodes on the Podcast One Australia app. I encourage you to download that. Next time around, we catch up with Ariane Sackville, who escaped the corporate cubicle to create a premium dog food brand called Bell and Bone. Love that name. Flavours include kangaroo with spinach and kelp. Mm-mm. Find that a bit bouncy. If you're getting value from listening, then please let other business owners know about the Small Business Big Marketing Podcast, which was presented by me, Timbo Reed, and pulled together under wraps by the A-Team over at Podcast One Australia. Until next time, thank you so much for tuning in. May your marketing be the absolute best marketing. Bye for now.